BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide-open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. So what? So let's dance! Hey everybody, Kevin Goatee here. We have ourselves a hell of an episode this week. Paul Tweeter, remember him? Boy, he did a fantastic job with Jurassic World. He's also known as the heavy spoilers guy on YouTube. Got a lot of cool awards from that. He's back, and he's going to tell us why Platoon just should be a victim of friendly fire. And who did I enlist to help me sit in as co-host, why? Jeffrey Paul, the man who hates space balls. I'm sure you all have a very, very special place in your heart for him. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com to say hi. And well, listen, we're gonna have a ball with Paul. Ha! <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's see if Paul can take down Platoon. Gather round is what I know. How did you know she was a Nazi? She talks in her sleep. Paul Tweeter, guess how are you, buddy? It's been a minute. Can you name Good that mate. film? Thanks, buddy. Last Crusade. Oh, that was easy. Too damn easy, was it? Too damn easy, yeah. Ah, you know what? It was on ago. You know what? That one always makes me smile. In fact, it was also a, an audible called by Sean Connery, and they all cracked up as soon as they yelled cut, and they kept that. Kevin yeah. Goatee, joined by Paul Tweeter and my old pal, Jeffrey Paul. Jeff, what's up, buddy? How you been? I'm good. How are you, man? Good, good, good. Jeff, infamously known from the co-host seat as he sat in on, oh my God, I just blanked. Was Damn it, what'd you co-host on where we where it was, uh, oh, Blade Runner. You, but the, yes, but we did. You did Blade Runner, and then you also came on. And I think it was like the third third episode. Oh, everyone! This is one everyone harkens to. Going, man, that guy hated that film. Jeff hates spaceballs, and so do I. So it was fun to tee off on that. Paul, you remember he did I, Jurassic World. Mm, I remember. 
You know what? What sucks is I had a cold for that show and I had a complete breakdown. And then I haven't had a cold since. And then this week got another cold. So I'm back, <laughs> back coughing away. Every time you get a cold, I just assume that you're booked on this podcast, which is fine by me. Everyone enjoys yeah. you and you're fun. Paul chose a film that I said, you know what? A little surprising, very critically acclaimed. That is mm. 1986's Platoon. A night, as I said, a 1986 film, a budget at the time of eight million bucks, a box office haul of a hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. Turn that into 2023 money. Twenty-two point one million dollar budget, three hundred eighty-two point nine million dollar box office haul. That is twelve times ROI. Not too shabby. Yeah. I'm guessing that it's made a lot since then on physical media releases because it was Best Picture winner at the Academy Awards that year. Right. Got Oliver Stone, Best Director, uh, Best Sound yep. as well by the looks of it. So Best Film Editing, which I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about those awards, but we'll go into it. Well, that's why you're here to tell us why you think those awards are hogwash. Mm-hmm. Uh, IMDB, gentlemen, one through 10 with decimal points. Paul, what do you think Platoon got on the IMDb? I'm going to say, can I do two numbers? No, you can't. Between between an 8.9 and a 9.1. So that's an 8.95. Jeff, Paul, what do you think? Platoon out of 1 to 10? With decimal places, yes. 8.5. 8.1. A little lower than I expected as well. Yeah, Yeah, kind of in the ballpark. Let's talk about Rotten Tomato scores, folks. One through 100. Jeff, we're going to you first. What did the critics give Platoon on the Rotten Tomatoes scale? I remember this was a pretty critically acclaimed movie at one to 100. I got to give this, I'm going to say they're going to say like 90, between 90 and 92. All right, let's narrow it down. 91. (laughs) 91. (laughs) Let's go to Paul. What do you think the critics gave it? I had 92 in my head before... Jeffrey Paul said it, so I'm going 92. You two are circling like flies on poop. 89. Okay. Okay, we're, we're there. You're right Couple there. points you're, off. You're right there. Uh, back to you, Paul. Audience score for the platoon. Same scale. Uh, I'm going to say 88. I think it'd be around the sort of same sort of area. Jeff. Yeah, I'm going to say about the same thing. He said 88. I'm going to price is right. I'm going to go 89. 93. Mm. Okay. So guys, right I like that more than the critics did. Not by much, but you know, same ballpark. Quotes. I know you got a bunch, Jeff. So I only I got I got a couple myself here. Shut up and take the pain. Sergeant Barnes, the guy dying, screaming. Right. Comes out. I don't him. remember any of the character names. Yeah, other than right. Chris Taylor, because I used to live with a guy called Chris Taylor. Oh. Because you were a Dodger fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> And the next one, what are you saving up to be Jewish? Uh, that was one of the worst. Like, hey, let's get a let, let's get a great That's joke. A great line. <laughs> Come on. But it's like John McGinley chewing the gum. Yeah. Have to be Jewish. That's a yeah. funny line. Yeah. I I think it was a joke that they thought was funny, but when you watch it go, eh, I needed a little more stank <laughs> on that joke. A little more for it. A little more. Jeff Paul, it's, I it's know not Chappelle. 
I didn't say it had to be. I thought it'd be a little bit better. It just funny. seemed it just seemed that the edges were 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 not as sanded off on that one. Jeff, what do you have for lines? Let's hear it. Well, I'm going to only give you one, and the reason That's why I'm going to give wow. here's the reason. Okay, let me give you my story for this. Okay, right. so back in I guess it was about '88, something like that. Uh, the Rolling Stones were on probably their biggest and best tour. Steel Wheels. Yep. And the and the opening band was Living Color. And wow. I and I worked that tour. And my job was I was with the opening band at the beginning of the show. And who was the lead singer of Living Color? A black One, guy. <laughs> Cor- Corey Glover, who played Francis in the movie. Right. And he and he had a famous line in the movie. What was his line? He said, politics, man politics yeah. so every night before he came on he fist bumped and went politics politics you know here's what i forgot you don't drink the water dumbass it'll give you malaria that's what i want yeah <laughs> that was funny forgot that one paul any lines for you that jumped out at this film the excuses are like assholes everyone's got one I want to find out. I heard that. I go, is this the reason everyone says that line? Is yeah. this the film, the reason why people say that? Because I'm hoping that wasn't a retread. And that's one of those lines like, you know what? I think we've heard that enough and we can retire it. Yeah. Never it's say like, it again. It's like hearing Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. We've heard it enough. It's not that great. And we can yeah. retire it now for good. Definitely. Five. I like. I like when people say that line. You do, but it's so happy. Yeah, thank you. Good. I was going to say, goddamn, Jeff. Five fun facts. You're never going to believe who was turned down by Oliver Stone because he was too cute. The man couldn't even get a word out before he was thrown out of the room. Too cute to be in such a gritty film. That person, you're never going to guess. That's why I'm just going to tell you, Ben Stiller. Okay. Do you you audition for Taylor? It didn't say who, but he just said he walked into the audition room and was turned down by Stone before he could even talk. Well, obviously, he went on to do sort of a parody of this film as well with Tropic Thunder. Right. So, yeah, it's nice to Yeah, I can. I mean, I can see him now doing it because of, of Tropic Thunder. That's a great Thunder. comedy. Yeah. Mm, I wish someone would come on the podcast and do that one. Yeah. It is propped up on three scenes only, kids. <laughs> Everyone makes this to be a classic for only three scenes. Number two... One such scene directly based on reality when Charlie Sheen's Chris saves a Vietnamese girl from being assaulted. Oliver Stone did the same thing when he was in Vietnam, intervening to stop a similar assault from taking place. And then the film Casualties of War came out a year later, which was based on the true story of Michael, Michael J. Fox, right? And Sean Penn, exactly. Right. Same, same type of thing. Right. It's like, that theme was hot for a minute, kind of like in the 70s and 80s. Peeping Toms were a thing in comedies like Porky's, like Animal House, like Back to the future. My future. That was my third one I have. But, yep, exactly. I, I, I guess I guess at one time, you know, there's, there's a fetish for everything. I guess people kind of got into like like Vietnam rape fetish. I guess right. that was mm. the thing. Is what that is a the- is that a Reddit thread somewhere? <laughs> I'm, get, yeah, I'm guessing. I just watched it before I came on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing Kill Peeping Tom's kind of came about because there was no internet back then, so right. perverts needed a way to to see stuff. They were tired of handing back and forth the same disgusting, dirty playboys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
God. The the trials and tribulations of Gen Xers like us had to go through just to get porn. It's like, guys, we still had to hand off dirty VHS tapes and mags and trade as collateral like we were in jail trading cigarettes for other kind of contraband. Kids these days, shaking my head. See, Kevin, you didn't put in the work. You had to go to Show World on 42nd Street (laughs) in Times Square. We did. Yeah, walk on a sticky floor and realize those aren't egg drops on the ground. The funniest thing, one of the funniest things we ever had to do while pledging, we did a, a road trip. We this is it was a bonding experience. They're like, all right, go stop. It's a scavenger hunt. Excuse me. And one of them was, of course, go to Show World, and they're like, go take pictures of all the you know you, of the of the of the movies that were playing like in the jerk off booths. So we'd have like those disposable cameras, and we would just take pictures. Go, hey, turn on channel seven. This girl's sucking a horse dick. It's amazing. And the 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 guy was like, you cannot take pictures. This is bullshit. And cursing us in a foreign tongue. Funny yeah. times. Funny times. Number three, those Oliver. Were the days. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> singing the all the all in the theme families. <laughs> song. Oliver Stone wrote the first draft, originally entitled "Break." All the way back in 1969, after his tour of duty in Nam had ended, not long thereafter, the writer had sent the script to, I hit the floor when I saw this one, Jim Morrison. Yeah, so what a fact that I found out was that he wrote a lot of this to This Is The End by Jim Morrison, which is obviously, like one of the criticisms I'm going to have is that I feel Apocalypse Now did this all better huh. and before it as well, and they even got Charlie Sheen in obviously his dad martin sheen was in apocalypse now and uh yeah it's just kind of crazy how that did everything even down to like using the jim morrison song before before he did stonehope morrison that's a good point stonehope morrison guys when it comes to vietnam movies either using the doors or you're using credence yeah 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 great points jeff Stonehope Morrison would be interested in playing the lead role of the movie, but nothing became of this. Morrison died in 1971. The copy of Stone's script was actually in the musician's Paris apartment at the time of his death. Stone was given back this copy of his script in 1990 when he was making The Doors starring Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. Yeah, that was cool. Crazy. Number four, and I this is this is of course my always my favorite section. The who was originally uh, thought of when the roles were being cast. Stone originally wanted wanted. All right, here's a. I'll let you guys take a guess. The role for Sergeant Barnes, huge in the eighties, nineties, but fell know, apart I, and then and then came back a little bit. I guess about 10, 15 years ago, maybe even twenty. Yeah, you know, Jeff. Co- yeah, I do. I know Mickey Rock was one. That was for Barnes. Uh, yep. Okay. Oh, were we talking for Elias? No, Barnes, I said. That was when I okay, started yeah, first. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Rourke, I know, was up for it. Uh, Kevin Costner was the guy who was up for this. And Emilio Estevez, I know, yeah. was up for this. Right. All that, and I have more. For Elias, Nick Nolte. Well, for Elias, you know who else, you know who it was based on, who they really wanted? Who's that? Was Denzel Washington. I didn't know that. Well, it wasn't in, the, in the, my little five-second research. It was actually, it was actually, you know, in his real-life experience, you know, the Elias character was was a black sergeant. So that, that's why he was kind. Of, that's why he was considering uh, Denzel Washington. I don't know why uh, it didn't work out. You know, I mean, things happen in casting all the time. But I thought that would have been a very interesting choice. 
role for uh, early contender for the role of Chris was, I'll give you a hint, had a started off in the 80s, big, 90s, really big, and had a late re- had a resurgence in the last 10 to 15 years, huge. Michael Keaton? No. You got to guess, Jeff? Guess that. For Chris. Uh, for Chris. I know the role of Bunny, John Cryer auditioned for it because it's, it's ironic that, you know, he winds up doing Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen. But I didn't, for, for Taylor, get, was it Andrew McCarthy? No, Keanu Reeves. Oh, crazy. Oh, okay, it's not bad. But he turned it down because of the violence. And then he goes off to make John Wick 1, 2, 3, <laughs> and 4. Some of the most violent yet excellent action films known. I thought that was highly ironic. Number five. Charlie Sheen recalls that one hairy moment that almost saw him thrown out of a helicopter. They were filming in an open door gunship high off the ground when the vehicle unexpectedly banked hard to one side. Sheen lost balance and fell to the open door, but co-star Keith David caught him as Sheen would have almost certainly fallen out of the helicopter. Otherwise, the actor has since praised David for saving his life. Guys, can you imagine a world without Charlie Sheen? Think of all those poor T-shirt printers who would have lost money on shirts that read Tiger Blood or Duh Winning. Yeah. Well, I can't guys. get enough of that one. That's a great one. That is. Yeah. Let's yeah, nothing makes me laugh more than an ironic funny t-shirt that says winning. <laughs> or tiger blood. Even yeah, when you saw so, people yeah. like that at the bar and I go, you realize in about yeah, that's so it's hysterical. 12 days from now, this is going to be completely irrelevant. I mean, you might as well have bought and bought a where's the beef shirt, too. I had a pin. Did you? Yes, Next- I had a whiff. Remember, like, buttons were a big thing? Yeah. I, okay, I bought one, but I didn't realize that it was a knockoff, so it didn't say where's the beef. It said where is the beef. Holy God. Like the Wendy's corporate suits were out there hanging out in the malls at like Spencer Gifts or whatever, trying to see who is trying to rip off their their copyrighted material. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Let's go to the fans and see what they want to know. Let's go to Ask a Gutter. Short one, folks, only because I posted this not even an hour and a half ago. At Ken Bjorn Turner, Bjorn the Viking, do you like any war movies, certain wars only, or is it Charlie Sheen that just runs up your ass sideways? Three-part question, Paul. So, yeah, I do. Uh, and why I wanted to kind of choose this movie for the podcast is because I think, you know, the three great Vietnam War movies, or at least what are considered great, are Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, and this. And... I think those other two are, are vastly better. Um, and I, I feel like this is just kind of, uh, this got a lot of praise because Stone was the one who actually went to the war and kind of chronicled it, whereas the the other filmmakers just made it out of like research and stuff. Um, so yeah, I do like those movies. Uh, and uh, yeah, just going back to it, I mean, the cast is really good, but this was kind of before they were all famous. And I don't know if I'm projecting what I know now onto the movie, because I think back then I would have just been like, "Who? I don't understand any of these characters. What What the hell's going on? Who are these people? You know what I mean? Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. Say that. Say that for the notes section here. No doubt. <laughs> lot. Lot of rules with with uh, cutting the sacred cow. Lot yeah. of rules. Here. I like to keep my stuff in the blocks they're intended for. <laughs> At movie mad motto: Platoon sucks. Not a question. That's a statement. But nonetheless, noted. Well, that's it for Ask a Gutter. Like I said, it was only posted an hour and a half ago. People are still sleeping here on the East Coast. So let's go right to the fun. And again, thanks for joining us in Gutting the Sacred Cow. We invite our guests to pick a film they find overrated or hate and trying to convince us to see their points. But the twist being, you must pick a film widely beloved, critically acclaimed, or a financial success, thus giving a platform to those people with unpopular opinions about our most popular films. And also, no one listens to podcasts to the very, very end. So that's why we do our plugs in the beginning. Paul Tweeter, what are you up to, buddy? Where can we find you? What's going on? Heavy spoilers on YouTube. We've just launched a podcast as well talking about, um, it's called Across the Spoilerverse. It's just it's just a, a podcast about movies and stuff and news. Go, go check it out, Across the Spoilerverse. Are are the Ask a Spider Verse people going to come at you now and say that's too close for parody reference? So. Yeah, I hope so. We oh, had spi- some issues. We had a we we did call the podcast Real Spoilers, but then it turned out there was a podcast called Real Spoilers, and uh, we we had to change it. Oh, Spider Verse, another one that came out this year, pretty good. Not as good as the yeah. first one, but not a but a, nonetheless solid. Yeah, Jeffrey like Paul. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Paul. I'm gonna cut you off. Finish up. Please. I like it better than the first one. I'd say. Did you? I was. I, uh, I thought it dragged a little bit, and too many. I didn't like the alternate Spider-Man as much as I liked the ones in the first one. Yeah, that's fair enough. Jeffrey, Paul, buddy, what about you? What are you up to? Uh, well, been uh, doing shows every weekend. Uh, this weekend, I'm up at uh, in Grantville, Pennsylvania, at Laughing Stock Comedy Club. Next weekend, you can catch me. It, it depends when this comes out. Uh, July fifteenth, I'll be at uh, Scranton Comedy Club in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and uh, you could just catch me on uh, on all uh, socials. You can see my schedule up there. And you care to share what those social media handles are, so we don't have to do detective work. <laughs> yes, on Instagram, Jeffrey Paul uh, Comic, uh, Facebook, Jeffrey Paul, and I don't know what it is on Twitter. I don't even use it. Yeah, I know. I tried looking up on Twitter. I go, this is a fruitless adventure. Go, go, go to Laughing Stock Comedy Club CC, folks. There we go. That's going to do it. And of course, Gutting the Sacred Cow is where you find all this fun stuff. Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Good old Twitter's GTSC podcast. We're on YouTube. Just do us a favor. Whenever you see our videos, just hit that good old like button. That helps. And if you want to advertise with us, gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com. Last and never least, leave us that five star rating on wherever you listen to podcasts. That also helps us with the algorithm. Two or three sentence review, five star review. That is a huge help. Jeff, let's let Paul come here and see if he can go two for two in the gutting department as he tries to take down Platoon and gut the. Sacred cow. So what? Like I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, I think the film's clearly mimicking Apocalypse. Now they they even got the son to play the role. You know, unfortunately, due to circumstances, the, uh, Oliver Stone was kind of pushed into almost making 
something that had already been made. Um, for example, you know, like I said, he he wrote it to the doors, uh, the end, so that influenced it. Um, and Apocalypse Now just kind of came in and did everything better ten years earlier. Now, the the main theme of this film is basically, you know, obviously the war with in Vietnam. It's discussing how maybe America were the bad guys in it. You know what I mean? You know that meme where it's like, are we the bad guys? It, it's that because you see the the sort of the the horrible things that the soldiers get up to, and Charlie Sheen's kind of the one being like, "Don't rape that girl." Bonds, you're a bad man. You're killing your own men. That sort of <laughs> stuff, and that's the themes of it. Um, but it just feels like his character doesn't have the grit that his father did. Um, and, you know, you hear the narration, the, the, there's some things like this. The, one of the narrations bit is, somebody once wrote, hell is the impossibility of reason. That's what this place feels like. Hell. And it's just very kind of pretentious. I think Oliver Stone's work is sort of, often seen as being very on the nose, the imagery in it. For example, Willem Dafoe's doing that Christ pose. Right. Um, there's bits where he talks about how he's got, he's a son of two fathers and because he's got the father figures in Barnes and Willem Dafoe's character. Um, and it's just kind of weird because there was so many things that, that this movie's trying to, to basically be, it, it's very pretentious. Um, but it's also got like a platoon video game and stuff like that, and you know, it's it just feels like this this film's almost descended into parody at this point, where Charlie Sheen would obviously go on to do Hot Shots Part Two, um, and you know, Oliver Stone at the time he also said he he thought Charlie Sheen was very similar to him, and then since then he's been like, oh, you know what, I kind of realized maybe he wasn't. Um, and yeah, it's just I, I just feel like all of the the parts in are, are you can kind of see what's coming straight away. Like the first death, it's the guy who who comes up with Charlie Sheen. He's like, look at the photos of my girl. You know, it's very like, well, he's dead, obviously. He's, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's it just kind of it feels like a sort of ninety minute. I, I think it's about ninety minutes long. If it's not, it kind of feels like a ninety minute movie where it's kind of he lands meets the characters, they start doing bad things, and then he's got to fight against his brothers. And it's kind of, you know, it's very sort of a dumbed-down take of Vietnam, I feel. It, it's almost hitting all of the cliches that you'd expect to see in a Vietnam movie. Um, and obviously, Oliver Stone, kind of, he he was the experienced director who, who lived through this, but... It, it doesn't feel like it translated as well as the other directors who kind of research the things like Apocalypse Now is heavily based on Heart of Darkness. Um, and, you know, that feels like more of a gritty interpretation of it. If you look at Barnes, you compare him to Marlon Brando's character in Apocalypse Now. It's just kind of sort of the lesser version of it. Um, and the fact that it's it taking clearly it's taking a lot from apocalypse now i just feel like it doesn't live up to it and it doesn't improve on it in any way and it only kind of got the acclaim because of the guy behind it who made it was actually part of the war right like the side characters as well i don't really feel like they're that well defined you've got these you know people who pop up and say like little quips and lines and stuff but it doesn't really feel like they have characters you know what i mean i can't 
I don't, I don't know. There's just something about them. It, obviously, the actors all went on to do certain things, but I was thinking, you know, if this wasn't a big cast, you know, put in place before they were famous, would I even remember any of the things that these guys are saying or doing? Um, and just, just the the song from the movie as well plays every five minutes. Oh, you son of a bitch! That's one of my biggest notes here. The, the Asiago yeah. for strings nonstop. Yeah, every five minutes, and it just kind of adds to the pretentiousness of it. Now, originally, that song was meant to be a temp track that they just used to kind of, in case you guys don't know, but when you're making a movie, you get music in places. To a temp track is basically a temporary track for when you're gonna. You're going to see what it looks like being played over the top of music, and then you're going to go in and actually add the music that you want to add. But they just realized, oh, this works quite well, so we'll put it in the movie. But instead, they use it every five minutes, and it's like, oh, come on, mate. Do something else. I can't agree, I can't agree more about that point. Yeah. Completely if it was used on. once, it would be fine, but it's it's all the time. To the point that whenever whenever you hear that song now... You're saying a uh, platoon. Yeah. Willem Dafoe on his knees. Even Paul Oakenfold remixed that uh, Giagiago yeah. for strings. And that's his ad nauseum track as well. Go figure. Every time he plays a set, you hear that mixed in and go enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah so, but yeah, you're right. Play, I mean, play, play in the beginning. Play it in the end. Play it when he lands into Vietnam. Play it in the end when all you know this shit happens and they're put, throwing the bodies in the pits and for for more of an effect but when it gets beaten you know like a drum throughout it really loses the effect that it was meant to have yeah i, th- I think oliver stone you know like i said he he gets accused of being very pretentious if you look at his other works as well um it's all kind of on the nose and yeah i just feel like this is an on the nose vietnam war movie what do you think what other films that he do do you think that are, that are pretentious um I mean, Wall Street, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily pretentious, but it's very much greed is bad. Uh, JFK, you know, it, it, I think Oliver Stone... The line is greed is good. Greed yeah. is good, sorry. Yeah, my yeah. bad. But the, the meaning is greed is bad. Um, I think Stone's kind of one of those directors where at the time his movies feel very relevant. Uh, they come out and, you know, they they really make an impact. And then... Over time, they just kind of get lost to the wayside. It's almost like they're big, massive successes when they first drop. Everyone's talking about them, and then they're not something that constantly, you know, keep for the for the the success that they have. It's not something like The Godfather, where people constantly keep talking about years and years after. It's not Taxi Driver or something like that. You know what I mean? It's kind of very of the the time and of the moment. And I feel like that's the same with this movie. You know, Best Picture winner. I, I don't know if it deserved it. What what else was up for best picture that year? If we That's compare a, it, although I will, yeah. I I I do love JFK. I think it's one. Of, it's fantastic and a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm going to get yeah. shit for it, and I don't care. I absolutely love any given Sunday. Love that film. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff just groans. Yeah. I don't care. Lawrence Taylor being Lawrence Taylor is fantastic. Sorry, I'm a biased Giants fan, but otherwise. I loved everything that went on in that film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Well, that's you. Yeah. If you like it, that's good. But that's what I mean. That stone basically summed up to me. Very good um, for doing just delivering cookie cutter sort of things that, you know, tick all the boxes for what you'd expect. 
And I think Platoon's that as well. I think it's just the very down the middle of the road Vietnam movie. Like if you were gonna if you're gonna show someone what is a stereotypical Vietnam war movie, I think you would show them this. Uh, and I don't think it has the depth that the other films have. Even Go. Full Metal Jacket, I would say that as well. Um, weirdly, Full Metal Jacket was put into production before this, but it released six months after um, because Stanley Kubrick just take he was taken forever to make the movie. Um, and I'm sure Oliver Stone got wind that he was making it. Obviously, he'd written the script years and years prior, but then the word got out there that Stanley Kubrick was making his own Vietnam War movie. So they just said, well, why don't you do yours, Oliver? You you lived through it. You, you can make a good one. And he, he developed his a lot faster. And then that won the Academy Award for it. And it kind of sucked the wind out of the sails of, uh, of, of Kubrick's, which so, I also prefer this. So here's, wow. You talk about dunking against midgets. These are the best picture nominations for 87. Platoon, Children of a Lesser God, Hannah and Her no. Sisters, The Mission, no. A Room with a View. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Hannah and Her Sisters is decent, but nowhere near best picture category. The rest, I, I have, I, I've seen. Yeah, no, that's it. I've seen Hannah and Her Sisters, Platoon, and that's it. I have not seen any of the other ones. Nineteen eighty six is when this came out. So let's just talk about those real fast. Hoosiers, The Color of Money, Stand by Me. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, that's a classic, but not Oscar. Back to School, same thing. Top Gun. Uh, aliens god damn aliens, that's great what? i love that oh it's so heartbreak ridge never saw it heard it's great uh, howard the duck no thank you gung-ho cobra crocodile dundee fly the navigator on, cobra cobra wasn't nominated for best picture <laughs> police <laughs> academy three I'm the what's going on uh it was a pretty maximum overdrive little shop of horrors blue velvet yeah that was also a, a pretty light year as well but that's uh aliens how does that not get thrown in the mix or at least the, the color of money is shocking because that one is yeah. renowned by critics that's a, that or hoosiers as well same thing shocking didn't uh didn't paul newman win for that no because that, that was the same year platoon and he was not in that in that batch no, but he was not nominated and won for best actor or supporting actor no i thought he won something on that i'll, I'll double check Let's see, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that wasn't. No. Behringer, Defoe, Denholm Elliott, A Room with Review, and Dennis Hopper in uh, Hoosiers. That's what? Best Supporting? Yeah. And Michael Caine and, 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 and Michael Caine won. What about Best Actor? Oh, there we go. That's why he was leading. Paul Newman, Dexter Gordon, Round Midnight, James Woods, Salvador, Bob Hoskins, Mona Lisa, William Hurt, Children of a Lesser God. They gave you what? William Hurt? No, Newman won. There you go. Good. Yeah, see, I, I knew I knew he had something. I, it was kind of like his makeup Oscar. Like the Departed Not was his... for Scorsese? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and kind of like the color of my, uh, what was it? The, uh, what's the one Pacino won for? Hua. What's that movie? Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman. Yeah. That's Not what everyone knows it as as soon as who are. Well, that's when he that's when he kind of jumps the shock and went from like I speak in uh high high octave. You know? Oh, we did this. We right. just did, so we did heat a few weeks ago. Christian Finnegan did heat. 
And I, I break it down as like high pitched dog day afternoon. Hey, hey, I, you know, I'm going to rob a bank. And then it goes to, yeah, all right. And she's got a great ass with heat yeah. and right. devil's advocate and the aforementioned. Well, devil's advocate, he's, he's really that. He becomes like Al Gore. He's like, you know, like like a, like a Southern feminine woman, like, you know, like, like <laughs> what's the line? It, you know, is like, you know, look, but don't touch. You know? Taste. And then he goes, and, chapter three is him doing Adam Sandler movie, which really just tarnishes his legacy. And then chapter crazy. four of his life is him coughing up 85-year-old virile dust into a girl that has daddy issues and becoming a, a father for the umpteenth time. Anyway. But yeah. while he was in there, let's not forget his... uh portrayal of jimmy hopper in one of the irishman <laughs> how did i know that would make its way to bubble to the surface from you i'm just saying because jeff was in the irishman paul that's why he's throwing oh amazing yeah what bit were you were you young robert downey jr what robert, da- <laughs> robert, downey robert de niro <laughs> what the hell am i talking about i should have been because re- you know, yeah. nothing was more realistic than than 79 year old robert de niro you know, fighting yeah. the guy curb stomping him. That that looked very. Yeah. He was supposed to be in his mid thirties when that scene was going on. Yeah, he looked like he was in quicksand, kicking that guy <laughs> in the face. Yeah, I was a little uncomfortable. Paul, we got off on a hell of a tangent. So why don't you circle back to your points, if you please? Or is that all? That was it. Oh, okay, great. Good thing we ended on on a nice flourish. Give me a number one to ten. For what? Platoon. The movie. Yeah, platoon. You know what? It's like I can see the merit in it. Um, the reason that I'm kind of against it is is almost reactionary to the love that it received of getting Best Picture. Had it just been another Vietnam War movie, I think I would have been okay on it. But because of that, you know, that's why I've brought it on this show. I'm going to say six out of ten. Six out of 10, so it's overrated, not bad. Fair. Jeff Paul. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Since I'm going to edit everything that you just said before, so why why don't you now play your notes as is? Okay, so... To kind of like, just to address some of the things that Paul said, and he makes some good points here. But remember, like, it was what, around the 90s, early 90s, uh, late 80s, you started to have like a run of these Vietnam movies. Besides um, Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, which was a great half movie. Yes, cannot agree more. Yeah. The minute the, 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 the gunnery sergeant Hartman dies, that thing uh-huh. nosedives. You yeah. got it. Right. But that first half of a movie. Excellent. 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 Um, 10 out of 10. Yeah, exactly. That, and I think 
I don't know what you feel about the opening scene of uh, Saving Private Ryan, but also I think with two of the best uh, things captured, you know, about the war on film. But you also it, had movies like Hamburger Hill, Casualties of War. So there was kind of like there was like a, kind of like a renaissance of these type of movies. Um, Charlie Sheen in in the role. Um, Got to remember, it's of the time, like you said, and he's a rising star at that time. Um, he's perfect for the the I don't know what I got myself into college boy. Um, uh, it's a different character than I thought than his father was in uh, Apocalypse Now. Um, as far as far as um, the video game of Platoon, uh, that's just Hollywood being Hollywood trying to cash in on yeah. everything that they they do. I mean that I, that has nothing to do with all of it was like stone, a, I'm sure. It's like a Rambo video game. <laughs> Exactly. I, I wrote exactly. down I wrote down when Elias is running through the woods. I go, oh, look at that. He's doing his best Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando oppression where nary a bullet whizzes by his head. Um and hot shots, Charlie Sheen doing that. That's his kind of career slipping a little bit, trying to do something to stay relevant. You know, he listen, he he, he doesn't have much integrity. He's a sellout. Um, but I <laughs> But that's I, the goal in everyone's I, life, Jeff, is a sellout. That's my goal. That's your goal is a sellout. Who's kidding? Who's no, man, I'm about it. I am not. I am not. That. I'm about artistic integrity, Kevin. You <laughs> don't know me very well. I will. I, I don't want to play big rooms. I want to play in front of 15 people every night in a basement. Mission okay? accomplished. Uh, with, with, with televisions on. That's right. Um, I thought, you know, I like this because it's this. If I think you got it, can't, you can't look at it just by itself i think you know these are the personal experiences of oliver stone and it's it's one i think of three movies that he kind of uh, puts together because i think the follow-up even though it's not quite a sequel it's not a sequel at all but born on the fourth of july is what happens afterwards and then heaven on earth okay these are kind of like still in that vein following this theme um i think Sometimes simplicity is good, and I think sometimes people need to be hit over the head. Paul, I don't know if you've ever been to Middle America, but sometimes you, they need they need the obvious, and there's nothing more obvious than the differences between Sergeant Bonds and Elias. This is the quintessential good versus evil, and I gotta say, I think Sergeant Bonds may be one of the best characters in a, in any movie ever. It is a great, great character. Um, I love the ending of the movie uh, with uh, Taylor looking down, crying, looking at all the dead bodies. I think it's powerful. I think it really kind of addresses how war changes someone's life forever. Um, I think what this was, in my opinion, was an honest slice of life of Vietnam from a soldier's point of view. Uh, and, 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 and again, it's important that's coming from someone who had a little bit of education, which is what uh Taylor did have me. He was a college kid. Um I couldn't agree with the two of you more, disagree with you more about the uh, the music. Um I love the music. I think it adds consistency throughout the movie. Listen, this isn't Scorsese's Goodfellas where you're gonna have a soundtrack. You know, this is the movie. I think I think the 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 music and the constant of this music is the mundane. You're in you're in you're in a, a platoon. You're it's you're you're two years seven months four days into it and it's the same shit over and over again it really makes you kind of feel that that desperateness um i also thought this 
compared to Apocalypse Now, I thought this was more entertaining. I thought, that, you know, and again, that, that's what movies also do. You know, one of the, the big criticisms of movies today, they're preaching to you. I think there is some preaching here. I think that's what Oliver Stone does. But overall, I do think this is an entertaining movie. Um, but you you also see the difference in some of the side characters that you addressed before, too, Paul. You talked about um, how they don't have some depth. Well, I think he takes a shortcut to it, like the character of Bunny. He is a psycho when he smashes and has no uh, feeling when he smashes that kid's head. And his reaction is, whoa, did you see that head fall apart? You know, that is like, how can you be so callous to human life and you're doing it in front of the kid's mother? That to me is a heartbreaking scene. And it really explains Bunny's mentality. The opposite of that is Johnny Depp's character, Lerner. And it's not a huge role, but the compassion that he has carrying uh, the, the the people out, the kids out during the fire, being the interpreter. Um, I, I thought it kind of also shows the depth of the uh, of, of the division of the of the camps. Who follows Barnes? Who follows Alliance? Uh, Elias? Um, I thought John McGinley, you know, being the ass kissing uh, suck up to Barnes and looking up to him, and then at the end not getting what he wants. Um, I thought that was kind of I thought that was really cool too because it, it wasn't typical. Um, I I love this movie. I think I think it's a a great great uh, movie. I think I think it, it is my favorite uh, war, war movie. I think this and um, Saving Private Ryan, but two different wars. Give me number one to ten. Nine. Whoa. Funny enough, we just did Private Ryan not even a couple weeks ago on this uh, on this very podcast, and the beginning is still. Well, you should have. It would have, it would have been on D Day. Ready, ready. We taped that episode on D Day completely unplanned, just the way it felt. Say very appropriate. Yeah. These notes brought to you by GettingTheSacredCow.com, where you can grab yourself a hat, bag, mug, whatever. And I said before, leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review, GettingTheSacredCow at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us. Notes? Me walking off a plane to fight a war and then seeing dead bodies five steps, five steps off of said plane would be like that meme of Abe Simpson, where he walks into the house, <laughs> takes off his hat and coat, turns around, Grabs his hat and coat and walks right back out. I am walking in and I am walking out of that war zone. Not for me, kids. Not for me. Ah, yes, a young Johnny Depp before he had a vindictive white wife drop grumpies in their bed. Ah, to be young. You know when you see an actor, but you always have that 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 gut reaction to go to only one film in one scene, no matter what film they're in that you're watching. Keith David for me will always be the guy in Requiem for a Dream where he gets a double and a dildo and tells Jennifer Connelly to go ass to ass. That is Keith David for me. And every time I see him, I don't get anxiety. Well, really off at all, but wow, seeing all those bugs crawling over Charlie Sheen in the jungle reminds me that camping is vacation for poor people. With the exception of General Patton, what movie military leader would you guys follow into battle? I'll go to you first, Paul. Aragorn, and I do for Frodo. When he turns around and he's like, for Frodo, even though I'd be standing in the army like, who the hell is Frodo? Right. I'd still be like, no, let's let's go. 
Jeffrey Paul, who's the military leader you fall right in the line for? And throw your Jimmy Doolittle, World World War Two. <laughs> even though, even though, even though Pearl Harbor in that movie was completely historically inaccurate, uh, no, um, I'm gonna, I gotta go with, with uh, Barnes. He's gonna keep me alive. Mm-hmm. All right. Or he'll Article Fifteen your ass if you don't if you don't pay uh, pay attention to orders. I'm gonna go with a little off the beaten of the uh, the beaten path. I'm gonna go with Michael Ironside and Starship Troopers, Rack Jacks. Yeah, he's badass. Yeah. Next one. Explain how a platoon has several black guys in it, but someone hung a Confederate flag in the barracks. I think that'd be a little point of contention in those barracks if you have a Confederate flag hanging when you have black dudes in your unit. Yeah, maybe the guy like went in first day and just hung it up and then just looked around. Yeah, I you know when you go in prison first day, first day in prison, you just go up to the biggest guy and punch them. Maybe it was that sort of thing. Yeah, but I think the black guys would walk in there, see that flag, yank it down, and go, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, was, where the hell was that? Also, Vietnam was in the 1960s. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, they weren't. They were, no one was woke yet. I was thinking, watching... had to be woke, just still. Yeah, a little bit it's still shocking. a bit controversial. I, I was watching Terminator Three the other oof, day oof. in the uh, the stripper scene at the start. There's a Confederate flag in the background of that. Really? I was like, what the? F-? I was like, what the hell? Ready for this one too? We did Animal House not long ago. In there, when when the uh, Boone, not Boone, uh, Larry Kroger is about to take the brawl off of uh, the chick from Caddyshack. They got he has a Confederate flag hanging up in the back. I go, what? Really? Yeah. I go, well, may, that explains why there aren't any black people in this fraternity. But then again, it's also, I don't know, 1960s, whatever. That's whatever. John McGinley, John C. McGinley's character has the likability of Meghan Markle. Yeah, maybe. Being shot is terrifying. Being shot at is terrifying. Excuse me. Worrying about booby traps is even more terrifying. Being forced Whitaker's optometrist, most terrifying. He's like that eye is like Kirsten Dunst's one snaggle tooth that's making like a hard right turn in her mouth. I just always stare at that nonstop. I go, how I never noticed that. Are you kidding me? That's the first thing I noticed. Never. Very, yeah, it's kind of distracting when she smiles. Very much so. Like, but I got to tell you, she, the casting of her in Spider Man really takes me out of it because there's no way James, a guy who looks like James Franco with that type of money his character had, is going to lose his shit over Kristen Dunst. I think she's very pretty, sans that tooth. But you're right. He's going for the uh, the other fellow blue blood trust fund kids down in Wall Street area. Did you ever oh, see? Did you ever see uh, what's that movie? Uh, Don't put baby in the corner. What's that movie called? Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Okay, there is no one can convince me otherwise. No, there is no way Johnny Castle is passing up Cynthia Rhodes. Who was maybe one of the sexiest women of the uh, of the eighties? Okay, right. She was in right. all these movies. She was hot as shit. Okay, and then he's going to go for baby. No way. There's she, no way in real life. I can't suspend that much believability. Yeah, Jennifer Grey looks like a wet poodle. No thanks. If you played the little Vietnamese girl screaming when her mother was killed on an endless loop to all the prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. We would know where all the remaining Al-Qaeda terrorists are in 15 minutes. That screech 
makes it violates every single rule of the Geneva Convention if you play that for more than 30 seconds. I was watching last yeah. night. My wife goes, she comes in there and goes, can you turn that down? That is going right through me. <laughs> it's pretty annoying. Yeah. You think when Charlie Sheen came back from the premiere and his dad probably went with him, do you think Martin Sheen goes, hey, did you ever punch out a mirror while filming this film? Or did you ever have a heart attack when filming this movie? Pussy. Maybe. I had Apocalypse Nightmare. Was a, yeah. uh, Apocalypse Now was a nightmare to film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, also done in this very this very podcast. I felt many different emotions while watching P- Apocalypse Now. Dark, dank, dread, the three Ds. I love alliteration, Paul. This film, I didn't have many emotions in that sense. It's just like, all right, it's just go- the goings on. But I'll can I'll get that a little bit later. If you think being stuck in a foxhole with bullets whizzing over your head is bad, try watching Jeff Paul do comedy for thirty minutes. <laughs> you just get sort of stone faced. Hey, what's worse, Kevin Dillon's attempt to be? I was be waiting a- for the joke. I was waiting for the joke. That's what everyone says in your audience. I was going to clunker just lay out there. That's what, that's what everyone says when they see you on stage. I'm waiting for the joke. Is that what they say? Yeah. What's worse, Kevin Dillon's attempt to be a badass or his queen's accent as Johnny Drama in Entourage? I love Entourage, but boy, that was not a, not a good accent. Yeah. Whenever I think of Platoon, I think of three things. The nonstop theme being played throughout the film. William Dafoe getting shot, throwing his arms, and they were going, what the fuck? And the one thing I think about Platoon that no one else does, I think of Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley in The Naked Gun laughing while walking out of the theater during their dating montage. In conclusion, this film is fine. There are a lot of characters that are thrown at us. We only get to know Sheen, Berenger, Defoe, and even a little bit of McGinley. But what's lazier, the character development or Forrest Whitaker's eye? Ha! A second Forrest Whitaker joke. The only person we see with any kind of development is Charlie Sheen's character. Everybody else begins, continues, and ends with their same traits. No one learns anything. They don't have any kind of special journey. Keith David, he gets, he wins. He gets the ticket and gets the hell out of there. Great. Charlie Sheen goes through all those emotions. He becomes hardened. You know, no longer that fresh-faced college kid. That's great. But everybody else, there's nothing else that that transforms their arcs. I, I thought that was a little bit lacking. But look, I get it. This is a collection of happenings uh, as if you were stationed there. I get that's the point of the film. Would have liked to see just a little more uh, effort in that department. I forgot that. Well, what, Barnes- Kevin, also, what's the time span of the movie? Great question. This isn't taking, I, I got to think. Like, this what? isn't taking, yeah, it's not a taking over a bunch. Yeah, right. So how much how much arc do you want a character to have i mean charlie sheen probably you know he he probably changes the most because of what he'd been through everybody right. else is just mundane and i think that's the point of war right that's uh, that yeah. that's fair that's fair i, I get a little, little bit extra in that department but everyone else began but I, I see the point i get it i, I acknowledge that he's still uh, writing his grandma by the end <laughs> By the way, has there been a more yes. a, a, a much more monotonous, just mundane voiceover that is supposed yeah. to contain some kind of emotion than Charlie Sheen's voiceover to his grandmother? Thought, man, wrong, yeah. r- wrong person to have to kind of go through this. Maybe they should have scrapped the voiceover to the grandmother yeah. and just shown the letters being written. That, yeah, that's they should have hired I mean. John. I'm sorry, guy, Paul. So, so Apocalypse Now. 
you know, it's got this gritty narration over the top of it. But yes. every single every single time this narration's on, it's like, okay, I can see what you're getting at. But the fact it signs off all the time with like, see, speak to you soon, Grandma, just kills it, just kills the mood. Yeah. It's like, you'd say the most profound thing and then be like, hope everything's okay, Grandma. Yeah, yeah the- they should have done it. They should have hired Morgan Freeman to do the narration. <laughs> yeah. I don't get why he's writing like these profound movie dialogue speeches to his grandma either. By the way, just like, that hey. character, he was he was also a journalist. Right. right. Okay. Fun teaser. Since you brought it up, someone is going to come on this podcast and try and take down Shawshank. To which we say, best of luck. This. Uh, oh, I forgot that Barn shot Elias in there. I haven't seen this in so long. That was a cool little twist right there. And then, of course, coming full circle where Chris kills Barnes and says, uh, what would he he say? Just go ahead and do it because he knew that was it. This is a collection of great performances. The story is fine. This is not past the remote test for me, of course, Paul. The remote test, if you stumble upon this at any point in cable, do you drop or wherever? Do you drop the remote and go, I know what I'm doing for the next hour, whatever, 45 hour, whatever it is left in the film? Not me. I understand this in in the 80s must have been jaw-droppingly shocking with the shootings of the villagers, the bashing the heads in, the raping of the little girl. I guess we're all desensitized now. Uh, It's good. It's definitely, Paul, you nailed it right in the head. This is the third best Vietnam film. Full Metal Jacket, the first half by far, blows us away. I like the end of Full Metal Jacket as well. Yeah. When they kill the sniper, I quite like the end of that. But everything, yeah. every, yeah. well, but it also gave us those uh, those stereotypes of me love you long time and stuff like that. So you know, right. well, I mean, if it wasn't for, in a great song, I was just, yeah, I was just gonna say if it wasn't for them, two life crew would have never made it past the, crew. the first one. Apocalypse Now it will always be the best in this subject matter without even question. But this it's, it's this is a it's good six and a half out of ten. So Paul and I are simpatico. Jeff gives it a nine. Let's see what the blowhards have to say. Critics, five-star reviews. Platoon may not be the best Vietnam War film ever made. I still prefer Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket by a healthy margin, but I wouldn't care to argue with any veteran who states that this is the most honest depiction of that insane skirmish. I didn't take a single note during the screening of Platoon. It's that engrossing, that overwhelming. I'm not going to go that far. It's a powerful, painful, must-see film. An impassioned and riveting dispatch from the front that's at once a battle cry and a lamentation. What the hell is that person trying to say? They're doing a lot that of words. That's uh, yeah. Charlie Sheen's doing. It's a yeah. lamentation. And a right. battle cry. Was that, was that critic uh, Kamala Harris? <laughs> Word soup. It is a terrifying movie, one that will shatter illusions, but that is the heart of Stone's message. What illusions are we shattering with this? That America were the good guys. That's what I'm saying. It's that kind of movie where it's like, are we the baddies? Critics, one-star reviews. For all of its surface bravura, Platoon provides a thinly conceived plot thickened with the quantities of visual and visceral rhetoric and war is hell philosophizing. Right. The most striking thing about Platoon is how ordinary it is, even at times banal. 
I would totally say disagree banal. with that. Yeah, I, I, you can't say it's banal. Come on, can't say it's ordinary. Yeah, the action scenes are solid, guys. That if that, if, if that wasn't a, a, an alarm clock to your asshole, I don't know what what is. Oliver Stone tries to ambitiously ambitiously capture the full horror and frenzy of combat in Southeast Asia, but his technical skill outstrips his insight. What? They're saying the editing and the visual effects are taking away from his his vision? Maybe, no. yeah. You think so? I disagree with that. No, no, I disagree with that. I, I disagree with that as well. Amazon five-star reviews. I bought Platoon for a friend who was of that era. So she is writing this review and not me, a.k.a. Grandma. I am just thankful that Oliver Stone had the therapy vision to make this movie. I am 66 and all of the men my age are buried. Such a waste of life, but they went and fought and did what they were supposed to do. I used to get mad and yell at the protest and smart Alex cursing and yelling and burning our beautiful flag as the men and women were coming home from that non-war. I wanted to be a donut, Dolly B with the Red Cross, etc. But my boyfriend was trying to dodge the draft and had another idea, which I didn't realize. I became pregnant. We sadly got married and I continued to be pregnant with six lovely children. And his goal was to avoid the draft. You had to go to the draft board with a note from your doctor when you were expecting and then you were exempt. So I had served my purpose and he didn't get drafted while so many of our friends and a few family were killed over there. Eventually, he went on to spend his life elsewhere. He has since passed away. And I often wonder if all those boys from Vietnam had met him at a gate and said, you couldn't fight. I was blessed with many beautiful little sons and daughters to love and support who are now adults and amazing. Signed, Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> so that was, that's not really a review of the film, though, is it? That's like Paul, a life story. Welcome to Amazon Reviews, where <laughs> diary entries are now movie reviews. Yeah. I'm surprised you had the stamina to read that whole thing. No, no, I had, I had to. I, I love these people who think their opinions matter that much and have no idea how to self-edit. It, it just flummoxes me when people yeah, think they're like that verse. Of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my bad American language. I'm French living in Florida for only one year and a half and still need to do some progress. The script, actors, the colors are pretty good. This movie, like the one Hamburger Hill shows, what lived and endured all our young soldiers, people like you and me coming from different horizons, brothers in arms, they become heroes through force of circumstance and change forever after such an experience when they have luck to come back home. Signed, Jerry Lewis. I think he meant to put that as a five-star rating. Yeah. Which actually, sorry, he did, because I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Next one. Everything was expected. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it's pretty much, I mean, if you wrote down the plot of a a Vietnam story, I think it would be this. It's kind of like, let's try and make Apocalypse Now from memory. Ah, that's a perfect way to put it, Paul. You're right. Amazon. One star reviews. Now that I've seen it again after the first five minutes, I could tell that this is nothing more than propaganda Hollywood style. Granted, I've never served the military, but know plenty who have. No one that I know who served in a, mili- in a military conflict, but based on that and other comments here by military folk, I am 100% convinced that this movie is nothing what really happened. How is this? What was the propaganda of this movie? 
Uh, when the propaganda Americans I are think, baddies, like Paul said, I, that's my yeah. assumption. That, that, so why why would America put that out? So I, I oh, that's a terrible weak, review. Weak. So, so so at the time, I know there was a bit of backlash um, from conservatives about it because of it, it's saying that America, you know, it, basically because it criticized America. Um, so I know there was a bit of backlash at the time because of that. So maybe that's what they're referring to. I mean, do you think this movie with with that? Do you th- I don't I don't think I'm curious what you guys think. Um, do you think this movie really bashed you over the head with no. with, with the messaging? No, not at all. Um, not one bit. I think it's because there's not really. I mean, the bad guys are all the Americans, and the Vietnamese are kind of faceless. Um, I would say Apocalypse Now is a more subtle way to do it, where you've got kind of the Americans also the bad guy as well. But, but that's not answering the question. Do do you think um, do, do you think this movie bashed you over no. the head? Neither do I. Not at all. No. You could I mean, address Bond, it. There was a, actually a lot of uh, scenes with Bonds where that got cut. Where um, because in in the theatrical, well, in the in the final cut of the film, you, you never really see things from Bonds' point of view. Um, whereas in the in some of the deleted scenes, they had Bonds. Taylor was kind of going back and forth between Barnes and Willem Dafoe's character and being like, you know, he's getting seduced by the darker side of Vietnam and he, he kind of turned against that eventually. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that might have helped it. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it bashes you over the head with it. I just don't think it's as subtle as what's come before. I'm more surprised that Republicans were saying that even. What, when did Vietnam end? Like 72, 3, something like that? So this is about 13 years later, Vietnam, realizing yeah, I'm 72, 73. Yeah. See fire with uh, Nixon. Right. So then 13 years later, you can't say, you know what? Not a good idea to been in that war, fellas. Are we still going to sit there and, and double down on that mistake and try and, and, and stick to those guns? That's that's uh, that's not a good stance to take. Next one. Very disappointing in the amount of foul language. I realized that it is used a lot in wartime, but it was way over the edge. I would not recommend it or watch it again. Is there anything funnier, fellas, than the pearl clutcher pearl clutchers who think a movie's bad because they use, you know, bad language? It is such limited intelligence and acceptance to new ideas that they all go, oh, one star because they said fuck. That's so dumb. Yeah. Scar face. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad film, that. though. That's not a good film. I quite like Scarface. Watch it again recently. Does not hold up. I, I was never crazy about it from Jump, but don't tell rappers that because that's every part of their uh, interior decorating, the Scarface poster. Next one. It was confusing, boring, and arrogant. Signed, Colin Powell. Next one. You got to be kidding me. This is considered a good movie? Seriously. Pathetic dialogue, crap acting, stupid melodrama, cheap film methods, laughable use of music in the so-called soundtrack, and then there's Sheen's quote-unquote narrative and his letters to quote-unquote grandma. I mean, this is a freaking joke. I appreciate good war movies, and we've seen most of them. This one is a disgrace and an insult to the genre. And then there's the disgusting anti-American politics, quote-unquote, of the film portraying the majority of soldiers as either mindless idiots or violent, inhumane pigs. You'd think it was a James Cameron film. It's so full of hate of this country. What? Yes, I'm guessing that's the that's the woke comment then, maybe. You no, know I love when people 
take today's values yeah. and perception and put it on things 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. You can't apply a woke that. Movie. Yeah. That's uh that'll do it for Amazon one star reviews. And now we're going to have a laugh and see how good chat GPT is. So who's funnier chat GPT or KG chat GPT has written three jokes. I will now read about the film platoon. Why did the soldier join the military after watching platoon? He thought it was the perfect opportunity to finally get some killer dance moves like Charlie Sheen. You know what I like about that joke is like it, it's not wordy enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I see the pen scribbling in front of Jeffrey Paul's uh, on, his, on his yellow legal pad right now. Yeah, so I'm going to be opening with that tonight. <laughs> What's the favorite dessert of the soldiers in platoon? Napalm pudding. It's the bomb. Wait, here <laughs> you go. There you go. What do you call it when sold? Sorry. What do you call it when the soldiers in platoon have a cookout? A grill sergeant gathering. Guys, there were 10 of these jokes. I'm cutting it off now. We've had our yeah, fill. Uh, Skynet loses again. KG 17 and 0. That, Jeffrey Paul, do you think Paul Tweeter has got the sacred cow? I, I, I think. Paul makes some good articulate points. Do I, I don't think I don't think he got the sacred cow. I don't think I don't think he ripped this movie apart. Um, yeah, I, I think he you know he positioned it number three, which a lot of, seems like a lot of critics do. For me, I, I I thought the criticism that he had of this is what I would have laid on um, uh, the uh, what's the uh, apocalypse now. I thought Apocalypse Now was more pretentious than than this uh, movie, okay? Um, but I thought, he, I thought he did a great job, but I don't think he got the sacred cow, not in this one. All right. I remember, remember, gutting doesn't always mean disintegrating it. It also means proving that it was overrated. And I think, Paul, uh, no, it was... It's, no, this movie's not, no. Not going to convince I, me. Not saying it's, listen, remember, doesn't mean if it's from a nine to a six and a half, it just shows it's good. It's just not as good as people think it is. That's, that's his, that's, I gathered his intentions. And uh, I, if that was his case and Paul obviously is going to answer for himself, that's my agreement sentiment as well. So eh, I, I think it was a joint attempt. Paul, the movie did it itself as well in a lot of ways. And you just pointed out those things that I made notes on as well. So we agree. Jeff does not agree, but that's fine. We'll let the fans decide. Fans, do you think that Paul got the sacred cow? Nothing like a good old Twitter poll to figure it out. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.